Future Fit Tribe, before we start today's episode, if you are looking for more inspiration, visit my column on bizcommunity.com where I unpack the burning marketing issues that businesses face today. You can sign up for our Future Fit Masterclasses at booyah.co.za to build connected customer experiences and also check out our other cool services. Last but not least, don't forget to book your tickets to our regular FutureFit networking events aimed at helping you surf the tsunami of change. The events bring fresh perspectives with tour de force speakers and thought leaders as we debate, learn, inspire, connect. Tickets always sell fast, so book today. All the links you need appear in the show notes of the episode or on the website. Now on with today's show. And now from Solid Gold Studios, here's your host, Carmen Murray. Hey, Future Fit Tribe, welcome back. We are super excited to launch a series called Wellness Fit with the wonderful and beautiful human being, Taryn Pickup. Hello, Taryn, how are you? Hi. How are you? Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, no, we're always thrilled to have very interesting perspectives. So you are quite an interesting human being. Hey, Taryn, because you are not just a marketing and during daytime, but you're also a non-medical hypnotherapist. Tell us a little bit more about yes. that. My chameleon lifestyle. <laughs> um, so my journey started within marketing and public relations. And I still work for Joe Public United, which is um, one of South Africa's top independent brand and communication advertising agencies in the country. And I sit as their head of marketing. And by night, I am also a non-medical hypnotherapist. And there is a distinction in terms of saying what is the difference between a kind of medical hypnotherapist and a non-medical hypnotherapist. And the distinction really just comes in, in the fact that I can't call myself a clinical hypnotherapist because of the, the medical board that we have in South Africa. It does mean that you need to have a medical qualification in order to be called a clinical hypnotherapist. Um, we still use the same techniques. We still do the same things and we still go through the same process and the same training. The difference is I don't come from a GP background, for example. Mm although we still use the same work, still, still use the same modality and techniques. So just for definition's sake, that's why we do it, just to be parat and correct with the <laughs> medical board. And But we have our own industry body, which basically means that we have a code of ethics, which we adhere to. So it's not that we're out there doing our own thing. Before we unpack this any further, I just want to understand the blurred lines of hypnotherapy. Why do people use it? What is it all about? Are you currently hypnotizing me as I'm talking to you? If I was that good at being able to hypnotize you while we were talking, I'd be on a yacht in the Bahamas. <laughs> I would not be sitting in my office in Cape Town. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think there, there needs to be a distinction in that, okay, so hypnosis is the modality. That's the foundation. We all have a very natural hypnotic state, which is called your alpha state brainwave, which is just before you fall asleep at night or just before you wake up in the morning. Or, for example, whenever you're daydreaming or really absorbed into a book or if you drive somewhere and you're like, uh, how did I get here? Even though you drove in a very conscious state mm -hmm. and you have no recollection of driving there, it was your subconscious involuntary function and kind of that 
part of you that knows how to operate without overthinking it consciously too much is basically your subconscious mind, and that's a form of hypnosis. Wow. So I think hypnosis gets a bad rap because of what I would term hypnotainment, and they and hypnotists that are on stage have a definitely have a purpose in terms of from an entertainment point of view, and. Just, I think there's a distinction. Always remember there's two types of people that go to those kind of events, people who want to be hypnotized and those who want to be entertained. Mm. So you already know that someone's kind of bought into the idea of possibly going up on stage or wanting to volunteer to be on stage, mm. hence why it does work. And so that rapport and that, that affirmation of someone wanting to be hypnotized on stage is quite important in order for that to kind of be successful. It very rarely works if I force someone up on stage to do something they don't really want to be doing. And ethically, that's probably not correct either to force someone to do something. So hypnotherapy, and the distinction comes in, is that even though we're using hypnosis as a basis, as a modality, in terms of getting you into a heightened state of awareness, which is basically what hypnosis is, and using and accessing that alpha-state brainwave, the therapy part is basically overlaying that with a therapeutic technique to help overcome challenges, whether they're emotional, attitudinal behavior, deprogramming, negative belief thought systems, those kind of things. Everything from kind of hypnobirthing to pain management, the scope is massive in terms of therapeutic techniques. Very, yeah. very, very interesting. So you and I obviously had a long discussion to decide you know, what we're going to unpack and, you know, wellness fit. The reason that we, we've selected that is it's become quite a huge buzzword within the business environment. And we're seeing a lot more organizations embracing that. I recently was privileged enough to be invited to RMB Bank. We had the ladies here discussing the, the African fearless girl. And went to go and see the statue and I had a long chat with the team and they told me, you know, about their wellness, you know, their wellness center. They even have wellness days when people are mentally not feeling right for the day. They actually mm. have a day that they can take off for that. And mm. if we see also the, a lot of future trends, like the future of beauty and the future of many industries is going towards wellness. So I think it's important for us to understand what is wellness and what is well-being, what is it all about in order for us to set context for the series to follow? Mm. So I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of, I think, people becoming more aware, more conscious in terms of how wellness is played out. You know, I think as a modern society, we've become a lot more sophisticated. I think technology has driven us in a way to process information faster. I think, you know, kind of the research results and information that used to be out 10 years ago is very different from what it is today. And that's across the spectrum of different things. In the case of this context, from a wellness point of view, it's also understanding what does that mean for the human body. And I think because of the way and the dynamics in terms of how society has changed, and we look at the sophistication at the rate which we have to take on everything, stress is a very real factor. And I think people underestimate how stress impacts you. You know, people think stress is, oh, that one thing that you get at work. There's many layers to stress. So I think keeping in mind that stress can be emotional, stress can be mental, uh, stress can also be physical. So that's like if you've had an injury, for example, 
if you're trying to rehabilitate yourself, if your body is in pain, that is a level of stress that you're creating. If one part of you is out, that's going to impact another part of you. And I think here's the distinction and the line is when those kind of things happen is you look at people who have chronic pain often land up on antidepressants as well. Mm. And the concoction that kind of goes in from that point of view in terms of how to manage people's kind of mental state of being because of their physical state of being. And and yes, so from, you know, so, so recognizing stress, particularly in a corporate or business environment, understanding what that means from a lifestyle point of view, you will see the likes of the R&Bs and you'll see the likes of Google because they're creating almost a business lifestyle, which is to understand that, by creating wellness, you have better employee engagement. Most, I think, I think there's a statistic. I can't, I can't even remember where I read it. Either Business Insider or this, or the thoughts, but it was basically like 85% of employees are not emotionally engaged in their work. And I think when you have businesses like the Googles and like the RMBs who do take wellness very seriously, it's un, it's you know, maybe there's a level there of a consciousness of understanding what stress is and how that can impact your ability to deliver on the work. You know, we spend 95, like 90% of our lives in a working environment and we have to these days. It's kind of like how we live and how we survive. So, you know, working with employees that have a consciousness around their people and their people's well-being is becoming more and more critical um, in order to really get the best out of people at the end of the day. I'm listening to that. I'm, I mean, first thing is, I mean, you and I were working probably last night and it's part of our lifestyles. Like we almost can't switch off. It's like after five o'clock, that whole thing about, okay, now I'm not going to touch my phone. Everybody has a right to WhatsApp. You have conversations after work. So your mind never really switches off, which brings me to the question, do you think that some of the stress that we that we have is self-inflicted and that a part to play is, yes, the digital age. Yes, it's the work environment. But also, is it maybe also a boundary thing? Yeah, I think I think there's layers to it. You know, from my experience in, in terms of working with clients, you know, I've got, you know, I've got people who have a very good balance in terms of how they deal with technology and switching off their phone. It's interesting. I was actually having a conversation the other day um, about saying that, you know, we're so absorbed into our media all the time and we're constantly on our phones and we're constantly on our iPads and we're constantly on our laptops that, you know, you go to a hairdresser and you'll walk in either on a tablet or a phone and the poor woman's trying to consult with you and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, cut my hair and I'm typing and I'm texting at the same time and I'm like trying to get like my thing going on, et cetera, et cetera. And actually I was in the hairdresser and I was doing that exact same thing and the hairdresser said to me, right, move. And she said, leave your stuff there, move. So I was like, okay. And she's like, get off your device. So I was like, no, but it's like, you know, I'm not like texting my friends. I'm kind of working. She's like, get off the device. Just, you know, see me for me. See me as a human. I'm here to consult. I'm here to help you. So I was like, actually, you know what? She's right. Because, you know, I pay the person to do their trade, to service me. She does deserve my attention and she does deserve my time. And her and I landed up having a whole discussion about kind of like a program that she was kind of looking into. And one of the things was saying that for the first hour of the morning to not actually pick up your phone and look at it. Because the mm. minute you do that, you're really giving someone else the priority of your time as opposed to allowing yourself to have the priority. So I thought just an hour a day, 
for the first hour of a day to not pick up a phone, start texting someone and thinking, oh, I'm ticking off boxes and I'm getting things done. Um, you have, you do, you absolutely divide your time and you absolutely give priority to someone else as opposed to giving priority to yourself for that hour, whether it's your children, whether it's your fur babies, whether it's your husband or your partner or your wife, to be able to kind of run your household and do the things that you need to do consciously engaged. So is it self-inflicted? Yes. Does there need to be a consciousness around it? I think so. You know, there is, there is another layer to it is that you know, for children, you know, I talk with my hypnotherapy hat on, you know, because I see it is look at the emotional aspects of what social media brings to people and why they can feel so addicted to the social media and that kind of need for that kind of self-affirmation, et cetera, et cetera, in terms of what they see and what they do. So, yeah, I think I think it's on a spectrum. Um, I think it's a nice challenge to put that kind of hour for yourself as opposed to kind of dividing your time for someone else. Yeah, it's quite important. It's, it's so true. I'm actually just um, for our listeners currently doing Mind Valley. I'm doing one of their courses called Super Brain, which is also like all about the nutritions and all the things that we are going to also cover in here. And it's life changing. It's, it's really like that first hour, that routine that you do in the morning plays a very important role in your wellness, but also in the functionality of your brain, which needs to keep the whole body alive. So, you know, it has a huge responsibility and we don't feed it and we don't make sure that it's fed, fed with the right, right information. And doing the first thing in the morning, grabbing the phone, being on social media, it's so addictive though. But anyway, mm, I mean, that, 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 that's a conversation going on for years already. So let's get into the well of wellness and well-being. Is there a difference between wellness and well-being? So for me, there's not a distinction. I think wellness in general and well-being is there's various aspects to it. I think wellness be divided, you know, people, when people think about wellness, I think it's often, it's relegated to kind of the physical health, um, exercise and nutrition. And that's kind of like, I have wellness. So I suppose you could argue well-being is the total being, i.e. looking at the whole, not just looking at that kind of typical physical exercise, nutrition aspect. For me, wellness and well-being are interchangeable because I believe that you should be looking at the whole in its entirety anyway. And for me, there are seven dimensions of wellness, and that's kind of social wellness, emotional wellness, spiritual wellness, environmental wellness, occupational wellness, intellectual wellness, and physical wellness. So for me, that would be well-being in every aspect of who you are. So looking at your nutrition, looking at your emotional state of being, um, what is the environment that you're working in, occupationally, how stimulated are you, your spiritual wellness, don't forget that's also quite an important aspect for a lot of people, um, and it creates balance. And when one of those things are out, it will impact on another, and it's very dynamic from that point of view. Awesome. So Take us through the episodes that our audience can expect in the coming weeks. So what are the topics that we're going to talk about? Okay. So some of the topics that I want to approach, and these all may mold and shape as we go along. But one of them is kind of take your pills and then let them pop, which is kind of looking at the effects that people constantly have by taking pills or kind of at the moment there's a big opioid awareness drive in terms of people using opioids. Interestingly enough, 
kind of uh, statistics around, I know that the Americans use it Adderall and we have Ritalin. So what is that? Why do we take them? Statistically in America, more adults take it than children. How interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's meant to be prescribed for children. Mm-hmm. So, so looking at the kind of effect of why people pull pop, I think people are underestimating the side effects of taking tablets and not to say that you shouldn't, but I think to do it with an erring on the side of caution. So looking at that um, as a topic. Cool. Food is better than medicine. And basically how not to die. <laughs> <laughs> So these are kind of authors that I've read quite recently who have very interesting insights and statistics around nutrition, around food, understanding food as a process of medicine and well-being, understanding what are you putting in your body, how does that impact you. So those are quite important things in terms of these guys that kind of work in the field when they talk about how food is important they go all the way talking about it, even from like a psychonutrition point of view, which is how that kind of can, you know, how certain foods can impact children, as we know. But also as an adult, how do you like alleviating everything kind of from diabetes to heart disease to even depression and taking a very serious look in terms of kind of what are you eating? What are you putting into your body? And then looking kind of at emotions understanding the, the subconscious mind and how your emotions are made. How is your brain wired? Does your brain know the distinction between something that is happening physically and does that trigger an emotional state or does your emotional state trigger something physically? But looking at that dynamic, also understanding how psychosomatic symptoms come about, understanding when medically a doctor turns around and says there's absolutely nothing wrong with you, it's your head. Um, <laughs> understanding where the underlying emotions are that you can land up causing yourself kind of trauma or issues or physical ailments, those kind of things. So looking at the subconscious mind and emotions. Another obviously very topical at the moment, looking at mindfulness, mm. understanding meditation, I'd obviously like to talk about self-hypnosis. What is the distinction between the two of them as modalities, using them in terms of well-being and wellness as well. So I also have some more. Here we go. Also, a really interesting topic to talk about is neuroplasticity and epigenetics. These sound like very big, fancy words, but even though I'm not a neuroscientist and I'm not a geneticist, what is interesting is to understand them as concepts. So epigenetics is very fascinating because they often talk about how your genetics pass on, what gets passed on to you, and that can even be emotional states of being. That okay? sounds epic. I think we're going to have an awesome time here. Like, I can't wait. So... Audience, you better stay tuned in for these amazing episodes. And I think also for organizations, this is going to be very insightful as to how to navigate through through these elements that affects the wellness of your employees. To our amazing audiences around the world, thank you so much for your ongoing support. Please take a moment to review and rate your favorite episodes, which will help others find us. You mean the world to me, and I thank you for being part of my journey to get people future fit. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Carmen Murray Show, another solid gold podcast. 
For show notes and more episodes, visit solidgoldstudios.co.za slash Carmen Murray. Carmen Murray.